say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that's never been to Shag Harbor, but we know a certain harbor we'd like to shag. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, this is Hysteria 51. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> So you're saying you're into dad bods, huh? Cool. You do you, I guess. And I mean that literally. Go fuck hey, yourself. Hey, 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 hey. This is a family show. It might be the Adams family, but a family show nonetheless. Anyway, we are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, and we're your hosts and lead UFO and USO experts. I'm John Goforth, and this is Brent Hand. Yeah, uh, seriously, though. What did you mean there? I mean, it, I mean, the guy's sexy and all, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I listen. I don't know. I, I kind of ran out of time writing the intro, and uh, it was a lazy play on words, which is obviously sort of my specialty. Um, I mean, I know, I know what it was. I know. Um, I meant Harbor Freight Tools. Right. Shall we shag now, or shall we shag later? Wait. You want to bone machines and tools? I'm out of here. <laughs> you have no no concerns there, see, but and no, I, I I meant it like you know metaphorically, like I really like their tools. So you know when you say you love something, I you know I love that uh, uh, that chicken sandwich or something like that. I love my jetpack. Doesn't mean I want it to swing on my hang low. I told you that was sexual. I knew it. Brent, help me out here. Okay, see, but. All John is simply saying is he's attracted to middle-aged white actors with dad bods and power tools. And you, of all people, need to be accepting of that. That's, I, I, I'm not. You're I, right. I, who am I to judge? We can't help who we love. Yeah, John. But guys, seriously, I'm, what I'm trying, I, I, I. Shh, 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 don't speak. I, I know just what you're saying. So, please stop explaining. Don't tell me, because it hurts. Literally, the thought of you shagging anything hurts me. <laughs> I shagged her rotten, baby, yeah. <laughs> I literally hate all of you. C-Bot says he enjoys shagging. No, Kyle. Yeah, I don't think any of us are ready for that rabbit hole. I'm just going to go ahead and speak for the room. <laughs> but I do think, though, British announcer guy weighed in on this. Uh, do we have him on the line? I could have had it away with his cracking Judy, my old China. Are you telling pork pies in a bag of tripe? Because if you are feeling quickly, why not just have a Jay Arthur? What, Billy, no, mates. Too right, you. Don't you remember the crimbo din din we had with the grotty scotch bin? Mm-hmm. Oh, the one that was all sixes and sevens. Yeah, yeah she was a traveling striper. The Morris dancer lived up the apples of pears. Oh, yeah, 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 she was the barrister that became a yeah. Bobby and a Laurie. The, and they gave her yeah. the Gatling <laughs> 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 gun. In the bottom of St. Regis tea kettle. It's like in Eurotrip, he's like, they're on a whole different level of cursing than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if that was British announcer guy, but uh, thanks, Seba. Yeah, I'm not sure anything more needs to be said than that, John. I think that pretty much sums it up. Well, I'm certainly <laughs> not sure what to say either, other than we have a guest. Yes, we do. We do have a guest this week, a returning one. Jeff, you are, um, you, what, what are you hosting about? 63 different podcasts right now? Is that how? And, and- 64, man. How can you forget that extra one? <laughs> uh, tell everyone about your shows, where they can find you. Mr. Jeff Adamick, we're, we're so happy to have you on here. Thanks for returning to, to entertain us with, um, I mean, anything other than John is good, I think is what I'm getting at. Oh, so all that was going to be my my focus this week was John. But anyway, uh, yeah, guys, I'm Jeff Adamick. You guys heard me before. I've been on the show before. I actually co-hosted with Brent a couple, uh, I guess it was about six months ago. Um, but I am I am the host of Changing Hearts and Minds podcast. We're a podcast that covers everything in military history from the, the politics of it to the to the down, everything about it. If you love military history, you want to hear about war and you want to hear about it from the point of view of a guy who spent 
20 years in special operations as a Green Beret, a Ranger, a member of the Department of Homeland Security Anti-Terrorism Task Force, then that's the show you want to listen to. And you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at CHM Podcast. Uh, probably find links to us all over the place. But that's 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 what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm here because... God, I love your guys' show, and I love coming on. So thanks now, for Jeff, having me on again. Lame. Uh, you know uh, that that whole resume, serving the country, yada yada. We get it, fine, whatever. <laughs> I'm interested in having you back because you 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 share a unique distinction with me, and that is that you have actually had to put up with Brent as a co-host on this very program. <laughs> it is a uh, it is a select group. It's a small group, <laughs> and uh, we probably all need to seek counseling together. Yeah, well, I'm really, I'm really depressed because because of the COVID stuff this year. Uh, my yearly date with Brent in Kansas City got canceled. We usually <laughs> see each other at least once a year, and that is, yeah. Plus, though, real quick, you did. That is not the only thing you that you host. You actually on your other show just got to do an episode with fucking Kevin Smith. Oh yeah, well, I was on uh, on my other show on uh, Do It Doug podcast, which I'm on. On it's also on the Podbelly Network. We had Kevin Smith on, and uh, our our co-host Matt, um, he is knee deep in 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 the view askew network and he was able to get Kevin Smith to come on and we, we got him to come on. We talked about, Oh gosh, all kinds of stuff. And uh, especially his new show that's coming out on Netflix is, is masters of the universe show. So that was a yeah. really good well, time. One nice thing about Kevin Smith is if you put a microphone in front of him, he doesn't stop. Oh, he'll talking. talk. He'll talk. He'll talk and talk and talk. I think it was the, the least amount of talking I've done on any hour and a half long podcast. And I've that's ever me been on. saying that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but anyway, so we do have a fun one this week, and and we we've um we're going up north, up to Canada. Oh, Canada! Yeah, it's like when I put a quarter in Czech hockey, and you don't know if you're going to get USA or Canada or USA or Russia, depending on what Czech Czech hockey you're playing. <laughs> oh, it's so fun, John! You just you just blasted me back into my my time at Chuck E. Cheese as a kid. There, I liked it. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> so we got UFOs and water and government. Oh, my. That's a fun one this week. It actually is a fun one. And like I said, uh, this week we do turn to our neighbors to the north, Canada. Ugh. <laughs> and, of course, it has to uh, have the name, this story that we're doing, because it is one about aliens. It's Canada's Roswell. <laughs> Okay, now I have, a, I have a question. Oh, go ahead. I have a question. Yes. It's Canada's Roswell. Mm-hmm. And as we learned, um, President Trump knows a lot of interesting things yeah. about our Roswell. Does Justin Trudeau know a lot of interesting things about Shag Harbor? Absolutely, he does. Yeah, except Absolutely for it, does. it's the movie he watched called Shag Harder. It's very different, <laughs> but the briefing yeah, was more baby. fun. Yeah, baby, yeah. What I was wondering is, is it, is it Canada's Roswell because there's a redneck involved in it and nobody can prove anything? Or is it Canada's Roswell because something crashed and no one knows what it is? It's, it could be either one. It's it's Canada's Roswell because when everyone was trying to get into the water to go search for it, they kept going, sorry, 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 sorry. 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 <laughs> or is it Canada's Roswell because it was a shitty CW TV series that didn't make it very long? <laughs> that might be, too. But the elevator pitch for this incident, which it, it, it feels weird to say because usually incidents are when we have to explain shit Seabot did to the neighbors. Eat my ass. See? Exactly. Like that kind of shit. Anyway, so the Shag Harbor UFO incident was a report of both aerial shit going on and... An impact of an unknown large object into the waters near Shag Harbor on October 4th, 1967. Now, you know this is a good harbor, and you know it didn't happen in America because they put a U in that fucking word harbor. And uh, David Harbor. Isn't David Harbor's got a U in his name, right? They're all just, you know. He's my favorite harbor. <laughs> he is my favorite harbor, definitely. But when you say an l- unknown large object into the waters near Shag Harbor and Canada, I'm thinking John Candy just cannonballed. He can? That's all yeah. I'm thinking. They were filming, what was it, Great Outdoors? Great Outdoors too. <laughs> you no. bastard! Go faster. I think he said go faster. <laughs> So where the hell is Shag Harbor? Well, it's a small fishing village in Nova Scotia uh, on the Atlantic coast. Like we said, it's Canada, baby. Uh, what sets this apart from a lot of reported incidents, and this is a big one, and this is one of the reasons why, uh, Jeff, you actually brought this up, and I was like, I'd love to do it. I love this story because it was actually investigated by multiple entities, both 
military, civilian, and even the good old U.S. of A. And when I say multiple... Not just your Uncle Jerry and uh, <laughs> the extra time he has. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes those are the best investigations. What the hell? I don't even know where I'm going with that. They, if they got Ham's <laughs> beer at the investigation, you know it's a good... Or I guess this is up there, so this would be uh, Labat Blue. Labat Blue, whatever. Labat. Labat. Everyone knows... Canadian beers like moonshine, hell yes! <laughs> but who investigated this? Though? I don't even. What? I don't even understand what's happening right now. That's was it investigated? Was this actually investigated by the two guys from Strange Brew? That's yeah, it was Bob and Doug. Was right. Yeah. <laughs> that was Elsnore beer, though. So maybe that's what they were drinking. You don't want to drink Elsnore. Sometimes there's there's a mouse in your bottle, so you gotta be careful. <laughs> with that. We're talking though the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Canadian Coast Guard, the Canadian military, both the Canadian um, uh, Forces, Navy, and Air Force, and. The U.S. Condon Committee. So a bunch of people were in on this, not to mention investigations from MUFON and and just regular individuals. And, and the U.S. the U.S. Navy, U.S. Navy and Air Force were also involved in this, and I, I can I can vouch for that. And um, um, Hysteria Fifty One. I'd just like to point out, and that is we, we did our own investigation here. That's that right. is that's one right. of the most important things that we're going to say in this episode. That's true. <laughs> so before we get to the story, gentlemen, does. So many investigations or investigators or people looking at this make you think something really happened or to you, does it seem like that should just take a place period when something like this happens? They should just have everyone investigating. I'm glad you asked. First I off, said gentlemen, once again, eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but John, seriously, though, thoughts like you don't see this in every every story that we talk about. No. And. You know, it's funny. We we were we were just recently a couple of weeks ago talking about UFOs in 2020 and the you know the renewed investigations and, and the more information that's coming out. I have to tell you, when I read a story like this, that lots of folks investigated, whether it's it's kind of out in the open, like who was investigating here, or whether it's more like you know. Folks in black vehicles with, with un, unmarked vehicles show up, kind of like uh, Kexburg. Nothing to see here, you lucky lose. Get yeah, the fuck I, out. Yeah. It always, I, whether this is right, wrong, or indifferent, it always leads me to believe that yes, something happened, and no, it wasn't extraterrestrial in nature. It always leads me to believe that they kind of came in knowing, oh shit. You know, we, we, we lost uh, we lost a classified vehicle. Let's go get it. <laughs> Especially like how quickly they, they arrive on the scene. Of course, I guess it could go either way. If they are tracking something, too, then they go, oh, wow. Thank you so much for calling. We were having uh, tea at the right outside of town. It just we seems just like here. it takes them longer when they don't know about it. And then just a couple fishermen from the, you know, from the local village say, ah, we saw some shit. Actually, they go, uh, oh, oh we, you know, we saw some shit, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank you for my correction. Uh, But it seems like it takes them longer to start taking it seriously. I mean, eventually the men in black, you know, show up, but it's not within, uh, you know, uh, a couple hours. Uh, And it's certainly not investigated with this full force. And of course, I'm making huge generalizations here, but you asked what it meant. Right. You know, without getting into the story yet. Yeah. What what it makes me think. now, Jeff, you've been a part of some of these, you know, types of investigations. You're in the military. Where do you fall on that? Well, well, for me, um, the bit, the baseline importance of this story is that something did happen um, and whether or not it was extraterrestrial in nature, whether or not it was some kind of cold war NATO versus Warsaw pact uh, event. This is not something that is arguable, even with the, the, the skeptics out there as to whether or not something did occur mm-hmm. in, in, in the area that night, something happened. Something did happen 100%. That's, that's where the interest for me comes into play is, is these beyond the fact that because of, like you said, my past uh, work in the investigations that I placed that I worked at and for the government, I know for a fact that this was investigated by the U S government because I've seen the documents for it. But the fact that it's openly, yes, the Canadian government says, yes, something happened. It's very, it tells a lot. It says a lot about it. now what did happen. Who well, we're going to figure that out today, I think. But the fact that it's not something that is just oh a bunch of drunk rednecks who who got drunk were tipping cows and, and some you know some truck drove by and the lights hit them and they thought they saw Jesus or something like that. And no, this is actually an, an event that nobody can explain. Jeff, I would I would hold off on on making grandiose claims like inarguable. 
See because we argue everything on this show, <laughs> and I mean everything. <laughs> oh yes, no stone unturned, unless it was right out of my reach, and then I'm not going to get to that. But I mean, otherwise, <laughs> there is no stone unturned. And also, if it was getting later in the day, I'm not going to keep going. But otherwise, there is no stone unturned. <laughs> and never do we let things like facts stop or us, truths, <laughs> no. or you know, official reports get in our way. It's like my exes never let the truth get in the way of a good time, right? <laughs> That's the way it goes. You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, let's have a break. And when we come back, we're actually going to break down the Shag Harbor UFO incident. I love incidents. They're just so fun. That's coming up next on Hysteria 51. <laughs> like that incident with you in college and the, uh, well, the worm. Hola, David and me. I'm a Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use. And we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term. And uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started for very limited time. Hysteria Fifty One listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. How much? Fifty percent. Visit Rosetta Stone dot com slash today that's 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life wow redeem redeem, redeem. how do they do it rush your 50 oh. percent off <laughs> rush <laughs> redeem it 50 percent off rosettastone.com slash today do it today after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill 
to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. John! We're back. Brent. John, it didn't start with, we say Chag Harbor, and it, it does have to do with water. Now, we're not talking about, a, this is kind of a UFO that turns into a USO, but it didn't start out that way. We had some events in the sky before the, the water crash. Tell us a little story about that, if you will. Paint, yeah, yeah. Paint me a picture. I will paint you a picture. And and again, these are all incidents that were reported by various folks in the area. One could even argue they're unrelated. We have no idea. We don't know. We, uh, um, but given the given the closeness of the incidents and, and of course the timing of the incidents, uh, you know, we're assuming they're Robot. they are all interconnected. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he liked you. Uh... I'm starting to think that Brent has that button at times <laughs> and just hits it when I, I make too good of a point. I don't know what you're talking about. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it started with sightings in the air. While flying to Toronto, uh, Air Canada Captain Pierre Charbonnet. Uh, Good job. I think that's right. Charbonneau. Did you notice how I threw this to you because I wrote some names down? (laughs) Charbon. Charbonneau. If you threw it to me, I speak French. If you threw it to me, it'd be one thing. But it's fun to hear someone throw somebody a a foreign name. (laughs) I'm trying to mumble through it. (laughs) It's pronounced. Oh, no, I don't mumble. I make distinct decisions on how yeah. to fuck it up. Yeah, we get do. It right, Jeff. And we stick with them, and we get emails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do not hide on this podcast, Jeff. No, 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 you don't. All right. Pierre Charbonneau on flight 305 pointed out to co-pilot Bob Ralphington that there was something weird out the left side of the plane. This was around 7.15 p.m. It's the U.S. It's the U.S. of A. That's what it was. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> we got the most French name you've ever heard in your life. And Bob Ralphington, which sounds like someone made you make up a name on the spot uh, when you were getting <laughs> caught doing something. Bob Ralphington. No, it's, one, it's like in a movie when when they say, "Well, who was it?" And the guy, the, and you know, you can see the 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 actor or character's eyes panned like the uh, the the newspaper. Bob Ralphington. <laughs> and, I, and where are you from, Bob? I'm from Chattertown Fieldville. In the Almo. <laughs> Jesus. Well, in his official report, Captain Pierre uh, said that a flying object came uh, alongside the plane a few miles away, flying parallel to them. He described it as brilliantly lit, rectangular in shape, and it had a string of smaller lights trailing behind it. I'd like to think that's its Christmas lights. Uh, they call that in the business... Anal beads. Nope. I, I went Christmas lights. You went anal beads. I mean, I think that is a, <laughs> a perfect object lesson for this podcast. It's like when we do our Secret Santa every year. <laughs> Freud was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm only serious. Keep going. <laughs> uh, so then at 719, the pilots noticed a sizable silent explosion near the large object. Uh, two ob- two minutes later, a second explosion occurred, which faded to a blue cloud around said object. Ugh. Beer farts. They are the worst. <laughs> See, I told you. I told you they were anal beads. It just makes sense. Anyway. Silent, though, that's saw... interesting, though, that they, it was a silent explosion. Yeah. But, which which begs the question, is it, is it an explosion at all if it doesn't make noise? That's what I was just thinking. If you're in the woods and an explosion happens, does anyone hear it? Well, that's true. And the fact that it was silent. Did that make it more deadly? Word. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the point is, others saw this object as well. A fellow by the name of Daryl Dory and his family were sitting on their front porch in Mahone Bay when they noticed a large object maneuvering above the southwestern horizon. Ma! Ma, look over there! What the hell is that? Do your chores, Daryl. <laughs> it turns out uh, he had another. He had a brother, uh, and his name was also Daryl. Yeah. And my other brother Daryl. And my other brother Daryl. 
Uh, the next day, this particular Daryl wrote a letter <laughs> to the RCAF, uh, the, uh, the RCAF's Greenwood base commander, asking what was flying over the water that evening, as he had never seen anything like it. I love it in this story because these guys are all like, I saw something. I'm going to write a letter to the fucking Royal Canadians. I just, you know, I mean, I, listen, I understand that email didn't exist yet. Well, at least in Canada. But <laughs> I want to know what this bizarre thing was flying over my house. I'm going to write a piece of postage and send it to the base and hope within two to three months I get a notorized response. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe Dudley Do-Right will show up at my front door to explain to me what something was in the air. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, while um, uh, next we have uh, uh, Brent's favorite name of the show, probably. Oh, yes. <laughs> Captain Leo Howard. Nickname no time. Mercy Merced. No, nickname time. Say that name again. Give it the fucking just dessert it deserves. Captain Leo Howard. No Mercy Merced. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I celebrate his entire line of booze. I don't even know. I just assume that, the, that he did that in his spare time. He was like a, a fringe wrestler in the 80s on the WWF. Yeah. Like, not he never actually had a main event. No mercy, I mean, they, they, he was big enough that they gave him a name rather than just like, you know. He's that guy on Saturday mornings that always lost to the Ultimate Warrior, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, it, it, was like, it was like Steve Austin when he was still just stunning Steve. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, speaking anyway, of, hold on real quick, uh, real quick. Speaking of wrestlers did you see that uh james harris died who was kamala in the wwe back in yeah just yesterday and kamala died. then they just said that biden's running mate is kamala harris like someone goes we can only have one famous kamala harris at a time uh we need to x you know we need to covid that dude out of here i i just love the the i i it's a listen it it's only a, it's a makes fun- sense it's a funny little data point. Not not funny that Kamala died, no, but like no. funny little like data point. But the amount of traction that, that that has gotten on Twitter really makes me fear for the the sanity of our nation. That's like, what makes you fear for the sanity of our nation <laughs> today. Today, just go to a, any local mall, and I think you'll be terrified beyond belief. It's been. It's it's been almost six months of quarantine, man. I've got a new thing every day. I'm making a list. Um, but for today, yes, that is the answer to to the question. Anyway, Mister No Mercy Merce. No Mercy Merced was looking at four blips on his Deca radar that were stationary. Now, uh, Jeff, tell us what a Deca radar is. Yeah. Oh uh, no, De- a Deca radar <laughs> is an. <laughs> Deca radar is, a, is an aerial radar that can be picked up from from actual boats. Like so, so boats boats pick up radar of, of stuff on the water up to up to and including about two to three hundred feet above the water. Uh, that way, they can pick up other surface ships. And uh, Deca radar is something that's it's not military oriented; it's more like commerce oriented radar. Uh, so this this Captain uh, Leo No Mercy Mercy um, is actually, from what I understand, I think he was a he was a commercial commercial yeah. captain mm-hmm. um and this is the commercial radar that that's on a lot of those big boats you see you normally see that big spinning thing on the top of them I, that's that's the deca radar it's kind of like the the precursor to doppler really got it got it got it got it uh he says he looked up and 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 about 17 miles from the vessel's windows he could see uh the four bright objects situated in rectangular formation now, hold on this was in canada so i bet he said that's about 28 kilometers yeah, that's, that's no, not right. Uh, kilometers. No, kilometers. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> so, uh, 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 seven. So, okay, let's, let's, four blips were on the radar, but it was 17 miles away. Would that radar pick that up that far away? Yes. Yeah. These radars can go out, um, about 30, 40 miles. Uh, okay. They need, they need cool. to, but when you're talking about big, giant ocean, ocean m- m- moving vessels, like cargo vessels and the big shipping trawlers and everything, you need to have a good amount of time. So you don't have a Titanic. Event, yeah. They don't you know turn I mean? on a dime. Yeah. They don't. And do they, and is it, is it line of sight radar or it is line of sight. Ship? So if you get, if you get it, that you wouldn't be like, if you had a giant wall of ice, like the flat earthers say that's out there, uh, you wouldn't be able to see beyond that in line of sight. Got it. Got it. So the entire crew of nearly 20 fishermen stood on deck and watched the object in the sky yeah, that's and, behind, and behind them, an entire grouping of trout just f- swam by. 
<laughs> honey, honey, uh, you might want to take up a new profession. Fishing doesn't, doesn't seem to be working out. You're looking the wrong direction. I, I swear to you, there were UFOs. I swear. Uh huh. You're just a bad fisherman. Uh, you're going to work for my uncle's uh, accounting firm. That's it. That's it. I'm leaving, and I'm taking the children. They're not mine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was gone for twelve. I was gone for twelve months, and this kid's only nine months old. We were using Decca radar. What do you want from me? It's nineteen sixty-seven. <laughs> I'm stopping payment on all the avocado appliances. I just bought your ass. I'm moving to the United States. They don't make you pay back child support. <laughs> Uh, so, so Marseille radioed uh, to the rescue coordination center at the harbor uh, in Halifax, and he asked for an explanation. And he filed a report with the Lunenburg RCMP outlining his sighting uh, when they arrived in port. So another one where he's like, "Ah, oh, we don't know what we saw, but it, it's a pretty substantial." You know that that at least they saw it and they did file a report. You got you got to consider these must have been significant sightings because if you see something that has nothing to do with what you're doing. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. if, if you're on a boat and you just see something off in the distance and it's probably insignificant to you, doesn't mean anything. But for this guy to actually file a report, it must have been something he saw that was significant or or he's batshit crazy. Well, one, and also one or the he other. said that it's up in the air and it's stationary, too. And there was four of them, you know, yeah. and yeah, you're right. Well, it, one it of them is the sun. The so we know crew. that well, it was enough for the entire crew to come up and check it out. Speaking of reporting, right. though, so the Chronicle Herald and the local radio stations, they were contacted by people all over the place saying that a glowing object had been seen all over the place. And it was it, a lot of them said that it was an orangish color or yellowish orange. And I'm talking tons of people. And they reported witnessing strange glowing objects all around. And this was at about 10 o'clock. So the news desk is just, it's it's banging. People are calling it You're in. talking about Nova Scotia. Wins. So when you say tons of people, you're talking about 35. And that was pretty much all of them. Well, but here's right. the thing, too, is they don't have a lot of light pollution. So everyone can see it. And right, it's over the right. water. So that was kind of cool. They did say that that was one of the bigger things. So now it's time for the real fun, though. Wait, ton, so tons of people. Are we talking metric tons? Yes. Uh, tones. <laughs> if you watch Thank the documentary you. of this thing and you see the people that are living up there, metric tons is about right of these people. <laughs> they are not missing many meals. I always count people by weight. <laughs> that's how we. At uh, least that's how I order them. Oh, my God. Jesus. Never mind. <laughs> what, are, what, are you, what are you talking about? You're ordering people? Yeah, I don't want to have this conversation with them, John. So go ahead. You enjoy. Don't, wait, don't, doesn't, he get, doesn't he get like the next 35 tons free once he orders 50 tons? <laughs> you've ordered enough. He's got a punch card, I'm sure. I'm, this is probably one of those things where he got a half a pound of roast beef and Brent, you were drunk and said, oh, yeah, it's people. <laughs> <laughs> Soil and green is people. Just put him in the corner. So now it's time, though. Like I said, it's time for the real fun. So at about eleven twenty o'clock, and that eleven twenty p.m. Eleven twenty o'clock is my favorite. Eleven twenty o'clock. Yeah, that's. Don't you guys have an eleven twenty o'clock hand on your on your wall? That's Atlantic Daylight Time. Uh, I'll thank you. Uh, they reported that something had crashed into the waters of finally Shag Harbor. Yeah, so th- that was this was the point I was making before I was so rudely interrupted earlier by Brenner Seabot. Not uh, Jeff. <laughs> this is at eleven twenty p.m. All the other stuff we just mentioned was much earlier, three four hours. Of course, then given the 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 closeness of the events and and the the UFO nature of it, yes, they could be related, but they also could be completely unrelated. Well, let's also be realistic. If the UFO is there and it's it's piloted by aliens. The reason they'd be in Canada would be to drink beer. So it makes sense that about three, four hours later, they're crashing that bitch. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. Like I already I told, told him it was strong, eh? <laughs> that, that tracks. That's actually pretty, pretty accurate. <laughs> so, but at least 11 people said they saw a low flying lit object head towards the harbor. Now, at this time, they're probably not thinking it's anything crazy. They're probably thinking, oh, God, there's a plane going down. That's exactly what they were thinking. Yeah, and they said all these people that saw it, they said that they reported hearing a whooshing sound, like a um, uh, a whistling sound, I mean, like a bomb, you know, the <laughs> when it's falling through the air, then <laughs> a whoosh, and then it ended in this big bang. Don't you think at least a few of them thought that the neighbor had, like, stuck a Roman candle in a duck's ass or something like that? I, oh, <laughs> there's Scott again. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sure his name was more like uh, Lori. What's a, <laughs> to think of a a Canadian name? Like what? Hey, our good friend Scott Gust is Canadian. That's true. That is true. And his name is Scott. You, you got me. There, there you go. So here's where it gets interesting. The object was never officially identified and was therefore referred to as an unidentified flying object in government of Canada documents. That's a big thing that they actually labeled it as a UFO. Well, is it because they don't use the word UFO like we see the word UFO in the United States? Well, it is, though, but at least they were willing to say we don't know what it was, where the U.S. Right. would probably bury it under some shit. Well, Americans seem to go right for aliens. Yeah, the Canadians tend to use the word UFO by its actual def- definition. It's just unidentified in the air object. Now I think that the world has learned that. Well, even the U.S. Well, that's because we don't call it that anymore. Now we call them UAPs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm still going with goose here. I'm going with it. It was not a duck, a goose. It was a Canadian goose with various fireworks strapped to it. Seabot, what what fireworks do you think were strapped to it? Stuff that explode. Go boom. Firecrackers. Black cats. Roman candles or screaming memes. Lady fingers. Fuzz buttles. Snicker bombs. Church burners. Finger blasters. Gut busters. Zippity doodahs or crap flappers. Whistling bungholes. Bling splitters. Whisker biscuits. Honky lighters. Husker do's. Husker don'ts. Cherry bombs. Whisker do's. Whisker don'ts. With or without the scooter stick. Or one single whistling kitty chaser. I think chaser. that's it. I think C-Bot nailed this one. <laughs> So, boom, though, the interesting thing is the Canadian military started a search. John, like you were talking about, they started a search and rescue recovery effort right then because they're thinking a plane probably went down. And the initial report was made by a local named Laurie Wickens and four of his friends. Now, he's one of those people that if you've watched, like like Jeff said, if you watch the documentary, he likes to talk about it. I know what I saw, motherfucker, that kind of guy. You know, This is I mean? your redneck. This is the redneck I'm talking about yeah, when I say like it's compared like, to Roswell. You can't tell me I didn't see what I saw, which, I mean, you know, hey. Yeah, because he was what? He was what, a teenager when yeah, this he happened, young, right? He's, yeah. he's, he's racing around in the, in the middle of Shag Harbor at night, coming back from a dance with his other three drunken Nova Scotians, and all of a sudden they see lights in the sky. So I've been, I've seen this before when I was, you know, taking drugs in high school with my friends. You know, it's, <laughs> that's where I'm going with this, which is apparently what the cops they originally thought when he called them because literally like you said he, they were driving through shack harper on highway three when they saw what they thought was a an, an object large object of plane uh descending and that's the other thing is they said descending it was kind of a controlled landing type thing. yeah well, that's uh, they the u.s to- documents i've seen also say a controlled crash landing is what they refer to as the event yeah and so they went to get a better look as you do and wickens and his friends saw an object floating uh, about 820 to 980 feet because they said 250 to 300 meters offshore. And like everyone should, and because I love this story, Wiggins even contacted the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in Barrington Passage and reported what he'd seen. He said, I think These I saw a large plane or a small airliner crash into the waters off of Shag Harbor. And boom, like you said, and like everyone said, like they started this search and rescue. Uh, they took it seriously and they got to work. And if this was a plane or anything with occupants, time is literally of the essence. Absolutely. So uh, within 15 minutes, two Royal Canadian Mountain police officers arrive at the scene. Which is crazy because who knew horses could move that thing? <laughs> right? <laughs> Hidalgo. They're coming and riding up on Hidalgo. And you wonder why we get fucking hate mail. <laughs> did they have? I, they, I don't wonder why they you guys have, get hate mail. I listen uh, all the time. <laughs> So they're concerned for survivors. It's in the name, Brent. <laughs> mounted. What, yeah, but they can be mounted on a turret of a, you know, a whatever. You know, come on, John. Are they driving around Panzers? In like, Canada? That's better than fucking, I don't know if they're the police like they are Don't, here, the, they, don't they pretty be. much, I'm pretty sure Canada relies on its national defense from the U.S. military. Let's be honest. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh now that. There's your hate mail. There's your hate mail for this episode. And that is, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was Jeff. Jeff. That was Jeff that said that. Yeah. Jeff Adamick. Yep, that's right. Changing hearts and minds. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly <laughs> I is. I certainly am. <laughs> so they did, though, the, the, the mounted police, the detachment, they contacted the Rescue Coordination Center, RCC in Halifax, and they advised them of the situation, and they asked at that time, do you have any aircraft missing? What's going on? Has anyone fallen off radar or, or fallen silent? But sadly, before any attempt to rescue could be made, the object which they could see 
started to sink and it disappeared from view. And a real good note, Brent, is that the uh, the search for missing aircraft went all the way from Nova Scotia all the way down to Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. So every single bit of the eastern seaboard all the way up until right about Georgia was checked for any missing yeah. um, commercial Just aircraft. In case you think it went off course. It got yeah, lost, anything. Anything, yeah. I mean, this was, this was a large-scale search. This is like a 9-11-type search event on the eastern seaboard of the of the of the north atlantic <laughs> well the problem is when gleep glop doesn't actually file his flight plan you know, right. nobody knew he was coming right. it, it it does throw a little bit of a wrench in that or i don't know a, a space wrench <laughs> space <laughs> wrench yes but within a half an hour because this is in the harbor and these are these are seafaring people there they're out there fishing and shit local fishing boats go out to where the they think it's at and they start looking for survivors but there's no survivors because there's no bodies they can find. There's no debris, anything. And nothing they say was ever taken by the fishermen or by the Canadian Coast Guard, which came out there. They sent a rescue cutter, and it arrived about an hour after um, things had started going. And the people that were on the scene said that they found nothing. And by the next morning, that RCC place, the uh, Rescue Coordination Center in Halifax, had determined that no aircraft along the eastern seaboard anywhere was missing had gone down they had no reports of anything that's pretty crazy you know to think that they saw something and that is includes you know because unless you're like drug smuggling or something like that you're you're flying you're 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 putting flight plans out there yeah, we're not talking about florida and miami here we're talking right, about exactly. canada you know there's really no known drug trafficking routes coming over the arctic circle uh-huh keep thinking that yeah and so while they're out there searching though i told you that they had that cutter out there the canadian coast guard they received a radio message from halifax that all commercial private and military aircraft were accounted for blah 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 so what the hell was it that's the it was question. alf it was alf that's there you go <laughs> gordon shumway from melmac wait a second alf is not canadian stop it <laughs> no he's from melmac but he was coming in for for a landing and that's where he crashed he overshot. He overshot. Yeah, he just totally overshot L.A. No, you, 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 Jeff, let me, let me, let me, let me explain <laughs> something to you here. When you crash as an extraterrestrial on this earth, the country that you crash in, you are now a citizen of. And we all That's know that Alf was a damn fine American. I'm proud to be an American. That's pretty good right there. I can keep going if you want me to. Just let me yeah, know. Please, please. Yeah, please do. Where at least um, I know I'm free. Thank you very much, John, for letting him keep going. Yeah. Uh, and I well, won't forget you accepted my tendrils when I crash land <laughs> here with you. So tendrils. my point being that obviously tendrils. Alf did not crash. I'm just saying I didn't see any Canada. cats in Nova Scotia. I cannot say that it wasn't Alf. That checks out. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, it's either Seabot right? or Alf if there's no cats around. <laughs> so that same morning, though, going on, the RCC Halifax also sent a priority telex to the air desk at the Air Force headquarters in Ottawa. When that handled, that's where priority teledex. Yeah, well, it's like like three hours later, they're like, "Oh, priority." Yeah, it's a two sentence priority. So this is who handled all civilian and military UFO sightings, and they informed them of the crash and that all conventional explanations, such as was it an aircraft, was it a flare, blah blah blah, had been dismissed. Therefore, that's where they threw the label UFO report. And like you said, that just meant we don't know what it was. And the head of the air desk then sent another priority telex to the Navy headquarters concerning the report and recommended an underwater search be mounted, which really makes fucking sense. Like, okay, we saw something. We need to go fucking figure out what it was. Well, yeah. I mean, if something sank, let's go. <laughs> you can't just look at the top of the water. Well, nothing here. But then, just perfect because we passed the fucking buck, or everyone does. Then uh, the Navy, in turn, sent another priority telex telling the fleet diving unit in the Atlantic, uh, you need to go carry out this search because uh, it, it's almost time for me to get off work. So just two days after the incident had been seen, a detachment of Navy divers from Fleet Diving Unit Atlantic was assembled, and they spent three days combing that whole area, the seafloor in the Gulf of Maine off of Shag Harbor, looking for something. And the final report, no trace of an object was found. I think the word they used was nil. 
Nil. Nil recovered or reportable objects. Yeah, and this was big news, man. This made news all over Canada and really the world. People kind of latched onto this at that time, and that's why if you were to go to Shag Harbor now, they're known for this. They have their own, of course, there's the museum, and you can take tours and all this stuff. Yeah, the funny thing was, though, when this report came out, and at this point, this was still a recovery operation of a downed aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still did not, even though they were using UFO in the in the government files, uh, the public, uh, the police that were involved in this, they were still under the impression that this was nothing more than a crashed airline right. of right. some Something sort. Something happened, an uh, airplane of some sort. We didn't know what size, whatever, but we're going to find it, and then they didn't. I also don't want to skip over the fact that divers didn't go in for two Fucking day. Well, that's because that's how long it took the telex is to finally send the two cents. <laughs> I mean, you know, Valiant Thor is sitting on the bottom of Shag Harbor <laughs> going, guys, anytime. Well, I guess Seriously. you think, though, anytime. is it going to go anywhere? <laughs> well, I guess with this story, we, we'll get into that. You don't know. We're going to get into that. <laughs> in fact, with this story, yes, it will. But we'll talk about this. So like, you know, like I said, it, it made big news. The United States Conning Committee even put it into there that if you're not familiar the county committee was the informal name of the university of colorado ufo project and we've talked about on here as a group funded by the united states air force from 66 to 68 at the university of colorado to study unidentified flying objects under the direction of a physicist named edward con and that's where it gets his name and the result of its work, formally titled Scientific Tide. Study Tide. of... Uh, Condon Committee had ties to Project Blue Book. Right, so it went... Bum, bum, I think it bum, was its bum, bum. sign or grudge was the one that they were specifically in Exactly, so they of. all went in, in order. And the Scientific Study of Unidentified Flying Objects, the Condon Report, it was released in 1968. And spoiler alert, it was shit, just like all the others. Um, there was a lot more that they should have done that they didn't do but at least they did look at this wait wait, wait. but i mean we except for the, the stuff that came out of project blue book i mean i saw the documentary on the history channel uh project blue book right yeah. right, right which as you know was just all they did was took heineck's journal and they're just putting it on the screen and reenacted just it yes ver- yes thank you Batum, word for word period Full stop. Thank you. Absolutely historically accurate. 100%. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. So yes, they are. Yes, they are, Ted. Where we're at to this point is the story. There's a lot of witnesses and a lot of searchers come up empty-handed. So I think we need to go to break. But when we come back, what could it have been? And what does MUFON say? Because, kids, this one gets a little, little uh, juicier. That's all coming up next on Hysteria 51. You say juicier. Is it gonna is it gonna be like like juice like orange juice or like prune juice? No, like like the juice that comes out of Roman candle. Oh. I'll tell you what kind of juice it is. It's that goddamn Labatt Blue. That's what it is. It's that goddamn Sasquatch. <laughs> The U.S. government, the Canadian government, some fishermen, some divers, uh, John Stamos, everyone went up there and they looked for what they could find and they all came up empty handed. Enter Chris Stiles, which is a badass name. And that is a cool fun. name, man. Now, wasn't he uh, which wasn't he a member of NSYNC or was it the Backstreet? Boys? No, he was 98 degrees, 98 degrees. I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> So Chris Stiles was interested in the case, so he starts investigating it. And Stiles found the names of a bunch of the original witnesses through newspaper clippings and, and official reports. And it wasn't that long ago he was able to interview a lot of them. And he was assisted by MUFON investigator Doug Ledger. And through their interviews, they claim to find some pretty fucking crazy shit. This story is... is if you've looked at the end of this or if you watched anything on the History Channel, this is what they'll tell you happened. This is interesting. They state that they discovered that when the divers uh, that were there finished their work, the case was not over at all. Like, fuck that noise. That's just bullshit. The divers, along with other witnesses related to these events, they reported. And here's I'm just going to quote from from Chris Stiles report. That's where it gets deep, right? Yeah. The object that dove into the waters of the harbor had soon left the shag area, traveling underwater for about 25 miles to a place called Government Point, which was near the submarine detection base. (laughs) The object was spotted on sonar there and naval vessels were positioned over it. 
After a couple days, the military was planning a salvage operation when a second fucking UFO joined the first one. Wait, wouldn't it be a USO at this right, point? Right, well, right, right. At this point, the second one would have definitely been the first one. It's debatable, right? Well, if it moved 25 miles, does it need to be salvaged? Well, you know, if you can go through space and shit, you know, what's a little water? Come on now. That's well, if you're like if you're a gremlin UFO, that water is going to just make. That's why there was a second one. It's just they're even a car can go into limp mode and still drive, but it doesn't mean you're firing on all cylinders. Come on now, right? John, come on. So it goes on to but say, I mean, okay, all right, go ahead. Well, we said, John, this is when it goes off the rails. Here, we've already made that. Yeah, it's, this is where it gets. You're splitting hairs on some of it. Yeah, like it's going to get worse. <laughs> common belief at the time was that the second craft had arrived to render aid to the first. That was just common. Everyone thought that. Common belief at the time, the Navy decided Meh, we'll wait. It was and a watch. different time. We're going to wait and watch. After about a week of monitoring the two, because that's what the Navy does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, they report. Never, they never, never go off the rails. <laughs> unknown threat let's just see what the fuck if happens. only they'd have applied this in the gulf of tongan <laughs> what would have happened <laughs> sir it looks like they're working on it sir keep letting me know but wait keep waiting ensign <laughs> sir they're staring I at mean, me sir. starfleet doesn't wait to see what happens <laughs> much less there's a difference the john starfleet's fake this really fucking happened god <laughs> damn it you can see some captain sitting there going, that shit will buff out. Oh, no, wait, they've got someone to help them. It is one of the greatest <laughs> mysteries in the scientific world. <laughs> After about a week of monitoring the two UFOs, some of the vessels were called in to investigate a Russian submarine which had entered Canadian waters. Because the Russians, they're watching this shit, too, and they're like, hey, comrades, let's go fucking see what's going on. And and note note to self that this this uh, military operation that was happening off a of government point was a joint operation of both Canadian and U.S. Navy. Right, and they have this thing or these things boxed in. They cannot get out of there because this is a Gulf, and they're like, no matter what happens, we've got subs, we got everything going on. Yeah, and, then- and they had aircraft going on, divers. They had it was like mass. It was like all hands on deck, pun yeah. intended. To pick the wrong week to quit sniffing glue, <laughs> right? <laughs> So at this point, well, the Russians come in, they throw a non-space wrench into the whole thing, and the two underwater craft made their move. They made their way to the out of the Gulf of Maine and putting distance between them and the chasing Navy boats. They breached the surface and shot away into the skies. Those Mm. slippery pricks. Now, the Gulf of Maine, for those of you who don't know, the Gulf of Maine is Shag Harbor. It's the same, like Shag Harbor, and then the water at Shag Harbor is called the Gulf of Maine. So according to this story, these these usos these two came well it's got out of there went back to the gulf of maine and then harbor by reputation right and then they get out of there but uh, (laughs) yeah but what's the what's the point of all none of this stuff is in any documented records oh no you just don't know their correct documented records and plus it's in mufon's documented records you dumb dumb Ah, come on now sorry sorry stupid obviously you don't have majestic (laughs) i I don't (laughs) but i tell you what the president knows some really interesting things about this story huge huge details and there were good there were good guys on both sides yeah, so, but all, literally goes on to say all these reports they say were given off the record. And they say that ex military personnel feared the loss of their pensions and civilian witnesses feared ridicule, I guess. And so their privacy, they didn't want to lose it. So they refused to go on the record. But we are supposed to believe this because reasons. So, so like, all right, remember when uh, it was about a year and a half ago, I came on your guys' disclosure episode and talked about stuff. And at that moment, I was just recently out. And I had made the realization since then that if you have things you're not supposed to talk about in the military and you talk about them and then you lose your pension over it, then all that's happened is the government has let everyone know that what you said is real. So I have gotten to the point where maybe some of these people do believe they'll lose their pensions, but anyone that's been in the military long enough to know how the military operates knows that when you sign your non-disclosure agreements, you're pretty much just, they're hoping you follow it because if they give you any kind of retribution after you say something that's this cl- high of a clearance level, they're pretty much just letting everyone know that it's real. Like if I, if I could say, hey, I saw a UFO and Ooh, I Lazar, really saw ass. one. Yeah. And if I really saw a UFO and the government sues me because I saw a UFO for my retirement, then they're telling everyone I really saw one. If they just ignore it, like he's full of shit, 
it's like in that movie uh once upon a time in in hollywood where he's like if i kill you my my hands are registered weapons if i kill you i go to jail he's like if anyone accidentally kills someone they go to jail it's called called manslaughter Difference. But and and by the way, so that's for the military uh, that you were just addressing, Jeff. Now let's talk about the civilians who were quote afraid of their privacy being invaded. Earlier in our story, where we actually have documented things that happened, let's talk about Pierre Chabonneau, Bob Ralphington, <laughs> Daryl Dory, yeah, yeah. Captain Leo Howard, No Mercy Merced. They already went on on record, so you know they. Too late uh, but for my them. point is, uh, uh, too late. Casually, boy, it was easy to get quotes, and 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 like they're they're not even getting quoted by other people. They're writing damn letters to people, right? But the ones who saw all this other nonsense, they they were worried about their uh, their privacy. I'm sorry, we're in Canada. Privacy. <laughs> With a two U's, or at least one in there. <laughs> I know, regardless, I will say this. I will say this, and, and Jeff, you talked about this earlier. Something unknown crashed, period, in October 4th of 1967. What it was is up for debate, but something did go down. I They seem to really believe that, and even the military has gone on to say something the official report says something did crash. We don't know what it was. Um, I'm here to tell you that that the U.S. government and its military at those levels believe that something of unknown origin crashed in Shag Harbor. That That is a fact. You know, we make these jokes. It's easy to look at back at it. But now we're seeing the videos like the Tic Tac and things like that. Yep. It is a lot easier to think of. What if that happened then? Because if it's happening now and it is outside of the earth, why would we think it couldn't happen then? And I do also understand why sometimes people don't want to come forward, but it also does throw a big fuck you into it because why? As John was kind of pointing out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you also like with your pensions and things like that, but it is the grand equalizer when you throw things like that at people. So I don't know, but we have to at least look at the fact that something you know, uh, did. So that's what the unofficial from MUFON, that unofficial story is that something like that did happen. They say that the the military was tracing it and tracking it. And I mean, there are some things that you could maybe explain it away. Could have been a meteor, could have been space debris, something, you know, like um, uh, coming back into orbit, things like that. Jeff, John, do you guys have any ideas outside of aliens? what it could have been that maybe we haven't touched on. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of programs back then that were using satellites to monitor uh, Warsaw Pact, you know, Soviet, Soviet activity, the, the Vila programs, which were the satellites that were meant to pick up uh, nuclear weapons testing. A lot of these things were just dropping their canisters of information from orbit, and then they would be picked up in the oceans by, by the U.S. and by Canada. Uh, that government point area that we, were, that we were talking about, that was 30 miles north north east northwest of of shag harbor was an actual sosis network center that was picking up all the sosis net information so the fact that there could have been some kind of satellite that crashed down uh some kind of you know secret you know aircraft that that went into the water uh because this thing hit the water and because of the military response that was very quickly and what and i'll get i'll give it up there was a giant military response to this that is that is documented that they did go out there looking for something it it leads me to believe that if it was going to be anything that's explainable that's what it would be it would be some kind of either some kind of testable aircraft you know unconventional aircraft or some kind of vela satellite dump or right and it does make sense too that they officially would say we didn't have anything nothing happened because it's easier to just deny than try to explain exactly john what do you think so what uh, basically what they want you to believe the narrative of this story by folks that that want it to be an alien is earlier in the evening we saw some aliens darting around one of them crashed stayed down there eventually moved 25 miles away all while underwater and then you know the 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 AAA for aliens came and they zoomed out here uh, it's, that's it's like <laughs> uh, sorry, I need to work on my uh, Melmacian. Um, the, the, <laughs> that hurt my throat. The way I perceive this one, the, the way I perceive this one is is a little bit different. Uh, the third part of the story, as you could probably tell from the jokes I was making, I, I just don't believe. I, I, I think the the Mufon folks were 
we're either hoodwinked or making it up. Um, so then there's two parts to the story. There are the earlier uh, sightings and then the actual crash. The crash, I 100% believe, happened. Don't know what it was. I think it could have been a, a classified aircraft that went down and they needed to go grab it before somebody else got a hold of the technology. We know that kind of shit happened all the time. Um, and uh, um, I, it also could be very well possible that that definitely happened. And then people started kind of feeling around for, did you guys see anything up in the sky earlier? And, you know, somebody saw, uh, you know, the glare and, you know, called it an alien, like uh, the, the, the captain of the, of the airplane. It's right, also possible right, right. that it was a classified aircraft of some type darting around uh, a few hours earlier. And then it eventually did crash. It seems, that seems weird because that's like a, that feels like a long, a long exercise in, in a very small area. But, uh, you know, I, I suppose anything's possible. Um, I, I love Jeff's idea of of of, of just you know whether it be a, a purposeful drop or whether it be just a piece of space junk falling out of the sky. We were launching shit left mm. and right back then. I, I love that idea too. So I, I I definitely think there is a earthbound terrestrial explanation here, and that the narrative of the uh, aliens zooming in and out just doesn't track for me. There's something about what you said, John, that I want to agree with. Is I think that all that nonsense that happens uh, at government point later on detracts from the story of the actual event where the event itself is so unique and so unconventional and so strange that it requires and almost demands some serious looking at. You don't get that when you go off tangent and you go start talking about these underwater USOs helping each other and, and they, them, them getting away from a Naval blockade to, to take off back to Mars. If you, if you don't add all that extra erroneous crap into the story and this is out there to you investigators out there. If you leave all that stuff out and focus on the event itself, you might get a little bit further along in getting answers because that did right. happen. And that should be where the focus is, not on all that and stuff that happened. More interesting. Well, I, I, that's why I feel like when they were sending MUFON out there, the government sent up a Richard Doty in a fucking flannel shirt with a Labatt Blue. He's like, oh, I'll tell you what happened. Eh? Uh, it was fucking 25 miles out. And he tells them the story because that's the kind of shit they would do because... They crashed something that they they wanted to retrieve, like a plane or something like that. But it's right. a lot more fun to say it was aliens, and we don't know that it wasn't. So suck it. It still could be, and it that is our fucking opinion. You heard it here. It was aliens. They both agreed with me. <laughs> Important, though. <laughs> I want to make the case to go there because it is a cool little place. If you want to learn more about the UFO incident of 1967, visit the Shag Harbor UFO Incident Center. 5615 Highway 3, Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia. Phone 902-723-0127. Tell them Hysteria 51 sent you and tell them you know it was aliens. Unless it's you calling conspiracy bot, do not mention the podcast. The good news in Shag Harbor, if you can't find Highway 3, you only got two other options. So there's only Highway 2 and Highway 1. And that's all three roads that are all in Shag Harbor. <laughs> so that is our thoughts on the Shag Harbor incident. Hey, one one other side note on Canada. Canada. I uh, I was recently able to connect for a socially distance cocktail uh, at my home here with none other than Mr. Joe Peck. Oh, and he brought me a bottle of wine from the Lagina's Winery. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Marty and uh, what's the other? Uh yeah, the other yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> Greg uh, and Marty so Laginas, the, Laginas or whatever. The brothers, the brothers that are doing the whole um, mm. um, uh, Oak Island thing. Is it Bari Wines or something like that? How was that? it? Have anyway, you had it or you haven't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was decent. It was a decent uh, semi-dry well, like, white table wine. That sounds like um, you know what he would buy. Yeah, it's decent. But Pe- <laughs> you know, Pe- Peck said that every every other wine he tried there was just trash. Oh, no shit. Well, so it's like wine you know, from North Carolina then. Wine's so. so subjective, though, because I've had wines that people are like, this is delicious. And I'm like, oh, God. So, right. Well, that's because you prefer Mad Dog. And that's an hey, interesting. Palette. I like any wine that has a screw off top and it's enjoyed under bridges. <laughs> that's the main <laughs> and overpasses place. I mean, worldwide. We all love Boone's Farm, didn't we? Come on. <laughs> uh, now, uh, he also mentioned, and I really did find this interesting. Not one speck, not one iota, not one mention of merchandise, posters, anything about Oak Island at the winery. That's because they know how to market themselves. They separate it. They separate they get, it. So they get plenty of it from History Channel, so they ain't got to yeah. worry about it. That's just so bizarre. Yeah, you would think you have, the- they'd have like the, uh, what is the Borax 10 or whatever wine and the uh, yeah, exactly. the the Headless Corpse wine and the, uh, the uh, oh, oh, coconut yeah, and fiber then, like, wine. Yeah, T-shirts and... 
and you know like replica replica spanish coins uh if you go to like if you go to the the pawn shop from pawn stars they've got you know about 17 square feet of of actual yeah. pawn shop and about 350,000 square feet of memorabilia if and you shit want a you can buy bobblehead you are in luck <laughs> you are in luck you the second it. you walk out the door with it and try to pawn it back in the place you're only getting like one third of the price <laughs> best i can do I, this is the cup that jesus drank of at the last supper i don't know but it's got corrosion on it best i can give you 30 bucks i know a guy you might if i call him yeah, i was just saying you might if i call in an expert in walks moses he's like no that ain't real <laughs> So kids, that's our thoughts on uh, on Nova Scotia. Go go check it out. The Shag Harbor incident. And uh, John, if they want to tell us their thoughts on this and tell us why Canada has the best beer in the world. Or yell about my re- my references about Canadian military, which I do love my brothers and sisters up in the Canadian military. Oh, listen they are to them backpedaling. If you want to do any of that, I would suggest hopping on Facebook and going to our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just go to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. That is right. And also, you can go to our regular Facebook page, facebook.com slash hysteria51pod. Tweet to us at hysteria51pod. Tweet to John or I. I am at the Brenhan. John is at GoFoLite1, G-O-F-O-L-I-T-E-1. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria51. You can get extra episodes and t-shirts and all sorts of cool things. Host your own show. You cannot smell John Goforth, I repeat. You cannot. But you might be able to taste them if you put in enough money. We'll no, not, not. Also mm. not true. Uh, note on my Twitter, uh, opinions are my own, and they are also that of the of the podcast. Note on my Twitter, <laughs> opinions are now your opinion. <laughs> the way that works. I, I, was, see, I was trying to go that route, and you just took it a little further. I applaud it. I applaud it. <laughs> Voicemail 773-669-7277. And... Don't forget to check out Mr. Jeff Adamick, Changing Hearts and Minds. Do it, Doug. I think you're up to episode 37, right? <laughs> Something like, yeah, it's always 37. It's always, it's always 37. And uh, yeah, where can they find you at? Uh, they can find me there like uh, on Twitter and Facebook at CHM podcast uh, on Instagram at CHM underscore podcast, or you can go and listen to my show at podbelly.com. You can find both the uh, Changing Hearts and Minds show and the Do It Doug podcast, both on uh, podbelly.com. Sweet. So, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks thank for having you me, guys. Thank you for uh, being willing to be on when John was on as well. Well, so I, I want to thank John for being willing to be on when I was on. <laughs> hey, let's be honest, Jeff. We're both slumming it with Brent. That's so right. uh, with that said, <laughs> I've been Brent. I've been Jeff. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bud. Stay drunk like a Canadian. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.